here we are. Here we are. I'm Kate Royal. I'm Carl Del Bono. Can I can I please have the absolute pleasure of <laughs> in introducing ah, welcoming back our fabulous guest speaker, <laughs> Julia Masadi. Hi. Hi. I'm back. She's Broadcasting, back. Broadcasting, revisiting with Julia Masadi in New York City. Kate's in Chicago. Carl's in Rochester. Amen. Delish. Beautiful. So if Julia's here, you know that that means we're about to talk about a show that confronts the sexual mores of our society. Exactly. Uh, and... The show du jour is season one of the anthology series, The Girlfriend Experience on stars from 2016. Correct. Great. That's yeah. The Girlfriend Experience. Uh, This is an anthology series created by Amy Simitz and Lodge Kerrigan, and executive Benioff. produced by Steven Soderbergh, uh, suggested by the film, The Girlfriend Experience, which I believe he directed or he also produced, but the show is like very much not related to it at all. Uh, and starring true queen, Riley Keough. An amazing uh, debut, right? This was like her first thing. No. Mad Max Fury Road. She'd done oh, Mad Max Fury Road, and I think Fury she had Road. done American Honey at that point, too. But this was definitely pre The Lodge. Pre The Lodge. Pre. So this was the same year as, as American Honey. Um, yeah. The Lodge was great, too. Mm-hmm. I also like when you can watch something and be like, oh, this was your audition for this other thing that you're now doing. Like when I watched The King with Timothée Chalamet, I was like, oh, this was your audition for Dune. Like the young troubled prince, just put it in space. And then like watching The Girlfriend Experience, I was like, oh, this was your audition for Zola. Got it. They were like, cool, you're comfortable with sex. Right. But the thing that also like makes me so impressed with her and makes me love her so much is that like Christine in the girlfriend experience is like the coolest customer that ever lived. And then you like watch her in the Zola trailer and you're just like mess. Like it's so bonkers. So like, and those are her two settings. Like she's either like gone girl. She's either like gone girl, like maybe like sociopath or she's like, hey, <laughs> we're making some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> like whether it's American honey, the devil all the time, she's either like a crazy like redneck or ice queen. There's no in between. No. So she has the range, but she only has the two extremes. Of the two range. ends of it. By the range, we mean like the op- the ends of the extreme. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll see her in like a rom-com someday and she'll just be playing like a romantic lead. 
She was in uh, a very nice kind of meditative lesbian movie or, you know, mm. sapphic movie. Nobody ever, nobody comes out as anything with uh, Jenna Malone called Love Song. Oh, and it's like nice. their best friends. And Jenna Malone is like about to get married, I think. And they're like taking a road trip together and they like had had a sexual experience at some point. Uh, and they're like, you know, it's a lot of like, <gasps> will we or we, won't we? How do I feel? Last fling before the ring. Hey, remember that Precisely. night at Smith with the Chardonnay? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> Very much like I, the very much like at I've the bachelorette party, mm-hmm. like a messy kiss on the dance floor, mm-hmm. and then like a, I've never, I I've never forgotten that night, mm. type of thing. I stole that joke from Veep, by the way. I don't want to, I don't want to plagiarize. It's fine. They will take this whole episode down. <laughs> we'll get sued by HBO. Yeah, they're listening. It'll be gone. We're on their radar. <laughs> I'm listening to a pod. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast about Scientology recently about Shelly Miscavige missing. And then I went to find part two and I could not find it. And it was just because like I had a typo, but I was like, Scientology got it scrubbed from the internet. Like immediately went to like 10 and was like, they took Just like they scrubbed Shelly from reality. The face of the earth. (laughs) What's that podcast? I want to listen to that. I told you about it. It's called Someplace Underneath and it's about like missing women. I'm writing that down. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not spelled underneath. It's spelled like under new word. Neith is spelled N-E-I-T-H. Neith was um, a planet that was discovered in like the 14th century. All these astronomers like noted it and were like, what's this planet? They named it Neith for this like Egyptian goddess of like fertility. And then a century later, it disappeared and was like gone forever. So the podcast is called somewhere underneath and it's about women who have gone missing so the first three episodes are about shelly miscavige mm-hmm, and they're out wow okay and on I their instagram they have some really great pictures of shelly and david's strange group sea org wedding with like lrh in like an incredible fit um it's very oppressive Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, quick plug. Yeah. Hell yeah. I love that. Yikes. <sighs> Riley Keough. Riley Keough. Speaking of Scientologists. Oh, is, is she, she one, one of them? I think she, well, Yashar. I think she is actually. Yeah, Yashar Ali got in like a lot of trouble this week because he like retweeted the Zola. Yeah, he retweeted the the Zola trailer and was like, all I can think of is that Riley Keough is like a Scientologist. And then everyone was like, take this down. Like, A, she's not anymore, which, so she might not be. But either way, like you're exposing this woman to like harm by doing this. Why are you doing this? Also just like generally Yashar, like shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's like 90% of people's response to him. Like, whether they actually believe it, they're just like, just stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would fully believe if she were a Scientologist. Yeah, they love hot people in Hollywood. And she's like, kind of cuckoo. Sure, she's I can see cuckoo. it. She's got a legacy. Right. Does she? Well, well she's I mean, the her... granddaughter of Elvis. She's Lisa Marie Presley's daughter. What? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Imagine having Michael what? Jackson as your stepfather. Right. What? That's why I'm like, you know what? I think Wait. the least of our problems is if she's a Scientologist. Like, she seems like pretty well adjusted, all things considered. Yeah. I, okay. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. She's got that Presley, Presley blood in her. Well, and she's got that Lisa Marie face. They, they are she like, does. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now that I see it, I'm like, oh, yes, of course you are. But also me not remembering that I've seen her in 15 movies and thinking that this was like her debut. So sorry to this woman. <laughs> no, but this was, was absolutely like... <laughs> like I saw... Her and first it, real bleed. It was not her debut, but it absolutely was her breakout. Okay. You okay, know? thank you. Thank you for treating me with kindness and <gasps> acceptance. <laughs> wow, her mom married Nicolas Cage for a while. Yeah. There are like so much, she has done so many like good roles and I literally forgot about all of them. Cause she disappears into the roles. She's an absolute chameleon. She's an every woman, but she's like two every women. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. She couldn't be in like a, I don't know. I, I, I really couldn't see her p- playing like kind of like a normal everyday person. Okay, if she were to do a musical adaptation, who would she play? Last five years, Kathy. In the, oh my God. Done. That's already unfortunate. But I feel like that is, a, like, she would murder Jamie in that. <laughs> if Riley Keough was Kathy. But she would bring a twist to Kathy, which is a little less, like, woe is me, and a little more, like, fuck him. Fuck him. Sure. And, yeah. like, manipulate, like, I know what I'm doing. I'm weaponizing I love my that. victimhood. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I have nothing, I have nothing but time for that. Yeah. Me too. Um, also, she was in the house that Jack built, which I have not seen because I'm too scared, but I will eventually. I feel mm-hmm. the same way. Yeah. I've uh, my my mileage varies a lot with Lars von Trier. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly, and I can do it, but I what I didn't like about what the trailer that I watched for that was that it seemed like a lot of violence against women, which I just feel like my like tank. Yeah. for that is so low at this point like i just cannot sit through another scene of like a sex worker being murdered yeah like i can't anymore <laughs> so yeah. that's my biggest like hurdle for it no well and like lars von Trier is not the one who's gonna give you a really like nuanced i mean melancholia was kind of the exception to the rule but like that man openly hates women yeah He's been banned for life from the Cannes Film Festival. Really? Yeah, I don't really remember exactly why. He's made several provocative statements there that they're just like, just stop, just stop coming. God, there was a solid like three months of my life where I was watching Nymphomaniac, the director's cut, (gasps) one and two, like on a loop. Because I was just so obsessed with Charlotte Gainsbourg and yeah. um, what's her face who played the younger um, Mia Goth. No, no, the the younger same like the same character. Oh, I don't remember. But Mia Goth is in those movies, right? She is, yeah. Oh. And another like out of nowhere amazing performance from Shia LaBeouf. Speaking of canceled Ugh. men, yes. I know. It sucks. I know. It sucks so bad. Did you guys watch Pieces of a Woman? 
I did. Yeah. Vanessa Kirby was great. Oh, yeah. And that's like all there is to say about it. Yeah. Right. Vanessa Kirby's great. He he could have been anybody. He could have been Casey Affleck. He could have been Paul Dano. Oh, Casey Affleck, yeah. Actually, if he had been Paul Dano, I would have really liked that movie. Yeah. Can you imagine Paul Dano working off of- Or like Christopher Abbott. He wishes. Wait, who is that again? Sorry to this man. Sorry. He he was on Girls. He was Charlie on Girls. And he's been in, he's in Martha Marcy May Marlene. But like, I would rather see him in a role like that where like- Yeah. Shia. You're not casting against type with Shia. There's nothing interesting about that. And I also like didn't, at no point did I really understand why he and Vanessa Kirby were together. No. Not one moment. It was like, yeah. Have you guys met before? <laughs> yeah. But the, and then was the, it, isn't I it will, like... the first the first like 20 minutes though. Oh yeah. Give this woman all the the birth sequence and the labor. Yeah. I was like, I have never seen this in my yeah. life. I've never seen this ever before. Yeah. Like no, a woman in the throes of labor, and it's not it's like yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's and that's where those nominations are coming from. And like that's fine. It's just like the the movie that surrounds her is like it's not, not on that no. level. Vanessa Kirby, Vanessa another Kirby. great actress. Mm, She's so good in the girlfriend experience, it's like not even funny. <laughs> yeah. God, what I would oh, give to see a good. Vanessa Kirby season of the girlfriend experience. Could you imagine? Could you imagine her playing a high class escort with like a coke problem? That's, yes, I could imagine it. There's I really nothing could. I want more. I really That's could. basically her and Julie. Right. <laughs> anyway, the girlfriend experience. Yeah. <laughs> Let's jump in. Julia, do you want to give us like a little plot summary? Like a little overview? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give a plot summary. Yeah. Um, great. So the girlfriend experience uh, centers around Christine, who is a second year law student in Chicago. And she kind of like falls into sex work. She's not like actively seeking it out, but she has a friend who's a sex worker and, and makes a lot of money and um she falls into it she ends up really enjoying it and so um I would say like the basic like crux of it is like her managing her like life as an escort and her life as a law student and um and then also I feel like navigating also the fact that like she might be a sociopath is a pretty big part of it um and then hijinks ensue Right. And then like so many hijinks. Yeah. It's like these, there's like very two clear worlds that she's yeah. living in of like law intern and sex worker. And there's stuff going on independently in both of those. Like there's like, I don't know. Part of the thing I like about this is that it's like five shows in one where it's like a legal thriller. Yeah. It's like, a stalking thriller at one point, you know, and it's like, yeah. there's so much going on. Workplace yeah. drama. Workplace trauma. And it's, and it's also like girl in the city, like trying to make it. Right. Like in, 
in like several different ways. Right. Star to be three bucks. Two Star to be. One me. One me. You know <laughs> the what? Girlfriend experience. Singular. One, yes. One only me. one. Only one me. Only Avery, one. she's out. Avery's out. Avery's out, honey. And what I love about it too is that all of these different things happen and Steve and I remarked on this as we were watching it. We were like, we feel like our brains have been so conditioned by formulaic TV and movies. We're like, if there's suspense, if there's build, it has to like blow up and have a resolution. And there are so many things in this show that just happen and there's no resolution. Yeah. There's no resolution to the guy who stalks her. There's not really any resolution to like her boss that she fucked. Like yeah. things just happen. Yeah. And that was really cool, like as a viewer to kind of like retrain yourself to be like, sometimes you're mm-hmm. just watching shit happen and there's not always like going to be a big thing and a resolution. Yeah. And I think part of that comes from it. It feels to me like there's a really, really strong ethic in this show to never punish her for being a sex mm-hmm. worker. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's yeah. punished by the people around her and yeah. she like her worlds converge in ways that are catastrophic. Uh, but but it's not seen as like, this is the price she has to pay for living the life she has led, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. The and show like- does it, like the people around her want to punish her and the yes. people around her have have all this judgment for her, but the show and the gaze of the show has zero judgment for her. totally totally I feel like the the biggest thing that struck me after I was done watching it was that I've worked in the service industry for so many years I've waited tables and what this show did was basically it's it's like sex work there's nothing inherently degrading or demeaning about sex work in the same way that there's nothing inherently degrading or demeaning about waiting tables Mm -hmm. sometimes you have really great tables sometimes you have a shitty table most of the time you're going to have tables that you don't really remember right sure individual people can make it a degrading experience but there's nothing inherently degrading about doing this work right and i feel like that was like the biggest lens that the show like approached it with and i Mm -hmm. was like you know, I'm obviously like maybe a target audience for this because I'm already someone who's like, we should legalize and do criminalized sex work. Obviously it makes women safer. Um, But I I honestly feel like even someone who like doesn't feel that way, like this is a good show for them to watch and see like, oh. Yeah. People are unsafe when they don't have protection. (laughs) Exactly. And, and they show so many different like shades of that, you know, like it's, I totally agree that it's, it, the thesis is very much sex work is work. Yeah. And especially sex workers who are operating in the echelon that Christine operates on when we're mm-hmm. dealing with like, you know, high network the, the, like the, the phrase, the girlfriend experience, that's like the type of service she offers where it's like, I will go on dates with you. You know, there's a certain like lifestyle it's a courtesan it's a courtesan it's the same thing as as a mistress of a king it's not just someone that you go to for the act of sex itself although that's part of it it's yeah it's the fact that this person i I can talk with them and they know literature and they can you know right obviously a lot of that is somebody go but yeah yeah like if you're hiring this woman you're gonna take her to a beautiful dinner 
at a beautiful restaurant before you like go back to your penthouse or wherever, you know, like, so, I mean, I do think it needs to be said that like, this show is depicting a very specific kind of sex work and all the sex workers depicted in this season are white, are white, are are cis and white and like extremely like gorgeous, like Riley Keough. So, you know, that is a very, very specific world within that world. Sure. But, you know, there is still danger there and there is still like, it's, it's not, uh, it's not undermining just the basic concept of this is a fucking honest living for somebody to make. Mm-hmm. And whether you're somebody who is operating in, in this particular world or a different side of sex work, uh, there are people who are good at it and like it and feel in control by doing it. Yeah. And that every um, sex worker at any level, you know, even if you're not at that level, you know, should be offered the same kind of like safety and assurances exactly. that someone operating at the level that Riley Keough is in this show is affording. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a really sex work positive and just like sex positive. Yeah. Really sex yeah. positive. Yeah. It never shames. I feel like it never, um, with the exception of the guy who later ends up stalking her, who is like filming her without her consent and and trying to degrade her with a sex act. Yeah. Um, I feel like they also are really good about, like they don't ever even shame the clients. No. Like it's all depicted in a very like matter of fact way where it's like people be fucking and right. like mm-hmm. people want different things. And it also doesn't present it in such a way that makes her so much of our protagonist that you're kind of like, oh, gross. Look at all these like disgusting like men who want all right. this gross shit. It's just like, it's yeah. it's a transaction. Everything in life is a transaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's a provider of a service. Mm-hmm. What did I yeah. say? Kate and I were texting and we were saying that we were comparing it to something else. Um, oh, that that it is comparing. It's comparing sex work to every every job on the planet. Like every... Yeah is like you just said, like everything is transactional. Um, And one of the, I think one of the production companies on this is like transaction productions. Oh, interesting. (laughs) And it it is like, they call it the oldest profession, but it really is the only profession. Like we're all, whether we know it or not, we're all kind of doing this, especially like as actors, like you know that a lot of your hiring is based on on whether people want to fuck you. Yes. It's, yeah. it's, I'm, a, I'm a floral designer. Do you think I'm not selling my body and my labor in some way? I literally yeah. work with my body all day long. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, like, how the show addresses that with uh, what Erin does, the other, uh, the female mm. lawyer at the firm. Yep. Who starts fucking the client to get the business, you know? Oh, Everyone yeah. is using sex. And, uh, and she's a really interesting foil for Christine because it's just like, and you're not even like, like you're gonna get money from this in an indirect way, but she's just sort of cut yeah. out the middleman, you know? Well, and it's, you know, if they were if they were videotaping and selling the videotapes of what Christine was doing, then what she was doing would be legal. Right, but right. That, 
<laughs> oh, because that, that way men make money off of it. Completely. The men who are filming it make the right. money off of it instead of her making the money. And men who are watching it get gratification from it. Yes. So it's, you know, but if it's, I'm just again, I'm selling- this is the entirety. This is what the show The Deuce is about. Oh, shit. About the transition of that. sex workers becoming into porn actors. Yeah. Yeah, Which, I need to watch to, that. Shout out to all of you, like, sex workers and porn actors. Like, good on you. Get mate. your fucking money. God damn. Get your fucking money. Well, and that was like, fucking, in, and you deserve it. to be fucking protected. For it. In the first episode, yes. when she when she goes. Um, yeah, let's like, let's like start and like go from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first episode. She goes, let's cheers. And she's like, we're young. And then can't think of anything else to say. And they're like, whatever, young's young's enough to drink too. And I yeah. was like, write that down. <laughs> yeah. Just the commodity of youth. Mm-hmm. Like, even if she's selling nothing else, she's selling the fact that she is literally young. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, but that's so much of it is just like, you're young and hot, you know? And that's like- Get that money while you can. I think part mm-hmm. of what, so in episode one, uh, you see Christine hanging out with her friend Avery, who is another law student played by the great Caitlin Scheel, who's uh, in a lot of Amy Simon's films. She was in a really, really cool and disturbing movie called Kate Plays Christine, which is like this kind of meta documentary. Um, and she's also in Amy Simon's 2020 movie, She Dies Tomorrow. So check her stuff out. Um, a really great, I'm like, this is such a weird thing to say, but like just a very like, Louise Rainer, uh, Reiner, um, and like Meryl Streepy face, yeah. like mm. this very distinctive, like, like aquiline nose and like hidden eyes and yeah. like high cheekbones, like a very like Meryl, young Meryl face. It was very. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, hello, you. Like, so of course, striking. of course, you're a famous actress. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, no, she's she's a very she's a very striking look that yeah. she has has used to great effect in like weird experimental stuff yeah um, very cool love her and she's like she's not in the show for very long but she makes a big impression as sort of like the guardian you know who who brings christine into this world she's like the caron she's like the person who like ushers you into the underworld yeah oh, and like and she just like makes it so <laughs> slinky and sexy and you're just like yeah this seems cool yeah she's like i like it i like meeting people i like having sex so it works for me and then riley keogh is like i like that she's not presented as again i feel like there's so many things that in the in the hands of like a less skilled writer it could easily be like she's presented as the foil to riley keogh and she's not like they're very similar in many ways they both enjoy sex yeah. And don't assign like weird moral baggage to it and are like, yeah. cool, this is a way to make money and I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. All right. And I think the thing that is revealed about Avery though, that is not true of Christine is that Avery is seeking real connection, not necessarily from sex work, but just like mm. in her life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Christine like does not have that need. She doesn't. She's like, I, I, I don't under. People are like, do you have a boyfriend? She's like, what is what is that? I yeah. don't. So self sufficient. Yeah. Was yeah. it friends? There's um, no. 
gross. Oh, I'm trying to find it. There's a scene where she's having lunch with her sister, who is played by Amy Simons. Um, oh, no shit. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, and she says something like, I don't like spending time with people. Yeah, she says, I, I just don't enjoy spending time with people. It's a waste of time and it makes me anxious. Oh, yes. And then the rest of that line is like about how if she's spending any time on anything, it has to be leading to something. Right. There yeah. can't be time spent that doesn't have like a result at the end of it. Yeah. If you're like not getting something accomplished. Yes. Yes. Accomplished. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Which makes so, a lot of sense. Like, yeah, why not? Yeah. But yeah, so in these early episodes, Christine sees like the boatloads of money that Avery is making. And like, and part of, I think what is interesting is that you never see, like until Avery starts inviting Christine on a date with her, like it's always Avery just sort of like hanging out in these penthouses in this home that one of her clients owns that she just lives in. Yeah, she's never selling it to Christine. She's just living her life and Christine gets to like see it. But it also is about how like the men are so absent yeah. from this life. Like, yeah, you know, essentially the the life you're creating for yourself is one where you make a ton of money and you can live like this by yourself and not be bothered constantly, except by like specific men who you have to fuck twice a month. And that's it. And then I'm gonna like live in this gorgeous North Shore home by myself. Yep. And like, of course, Christine sees the appeal of that. <laughs> and know? sees like where Avery possibly has missteps in not making sure that she has a safety net. Right. Avery moves in, doesn't have a place of her own, and then is like kicked out on her ass. And right. then I feel like that informs why Christine later is always thinking three steps ahead, always making sure she has yeah. a plan. And I think it's it would be interesting to kind of know like what what might happen to Avery when she kind of disappears. Um, but yeah. when Christine is pushed into that corner without a safety net uh, at the end of the season, her response is just to double down. Yeah, like, I'm just going to be a hotter, house. better sex worker. <laughs> yeah. She's like, let me buy this house. Let me start camming. Like, yeah. pivot. Yeah. Because it also, it also, I feel like it's much like being an actor. Like, you're so aware that the clock is ticking. Yeah. And that this ain't going to last forever. So get your coins while you can, because yeah. like this, you really have like an expiration date on, on yeah. doing this work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Avery, you know, brings her along on a date and kind of introduces her to a client's friend who is like, okay, you can be, he can become your client, you know. Uh, and, but, but I think before that, there's a great moment i think it's really smart that they show her having sex with someone who uh i've been replenished oh good yes. wait what is that that's like a cool looking can is that yeah, just a white claw it's what no it's wild basin which is basically like the same thing as oh, white nice. claw. but it's they like have nicer flavored. labels yeah yeah, yeah really totally. cute cool this was the other one this was the one that i had before Ooh. nice oh wild basin mm -hmm. um 
But I love, I think it's in that first episode that they show her before she becomes a sex worker, how she is approaching sex just in her own life, like Mm -hmm. normally, which is her going up to a random dude at a bar and her just saying, I want to fuck you. Yeah. And him saying, what? (laughs) And her saying, I want to fuck you. And him saying, okay. Done. And you know, she doesn't like flirt. She doesn't, uh, she's like, none of that. It's a means to an end. And then when they go to have sex, it starts with her, watch me masturbate. Which, I mean, I really am excited to talk about just like the ways we see her have sex throughout the show, because I think like, there's so much that we're meant to understand about her as a character through oh, those yeah. sex scenes. Mm-hmm. But one of the like fundamental things that I love about this show and how it presents those sex scenes is that she is only able to come from masturbating. Mm-hmm. Yes, I said the same thing when we were watching it. I was like, she always comes when she's having sex with her clients, but then she actually comes after when she masturbates. Exactly. Yeah. And that first sex scene kind of establishes that of like, yeah, you know, she has chosen this man from this bar whose name she won't remember. Uh, and she's like saying all the things to him, but ultimately what gets her off is like, I'm going to masturbate and you watch me do that. The act of being watched mm-hmm. is, uh, is what gets her off. Well, and later on, when she becomes the watcher, she watches herself on video. And- yes. Yeah. Yes. Love that. So- Whenever she's doing the cam stuff, yeah, there's like a great shot. I think it's when she has that Toronto client and they're doing like cyber stuff. Uh, and she's like Skyping with him, but her image is the bigger picture yeah, on yeah. the screen. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And she's like watching, there's like this very high stakes moment where she's going through her security camera footage and you're like half expecting to see like a stranger in her apartment, the stalker. And then it just ends up being like, she sees herself masturbating and is like, yeah, all right, I'll fuck with this. Like starts touching herself watching it. Yeah. Well, and then you see her like return to that footage a few times. And there's part of me that wonders is like, is this like like an athlete revisiting game footage? (laughs) Hmm. you know us watching our like play dvds yeah of just like watching her form and watching her body and like watching your reel just like oh that that note that note is so good yeah 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 Yeah. totally so adjacent to her beginning her career as a sex worker and getting her first clients. And I think her first client is um, the lawyer, right? Yeah. Uh, I can't yeah. think of his name, but. Martin. I think his name is Martin. Great. Martin. Right. Yes, it is. It is. Morton. Morton. Morton oh. Joe. <laughs> Morton Joe. It's a Morton Joe. In Morton. Um, <laughs> in Morton Joe. <laughs> no, yeah, it definitely was Martin. And, yeah. water. <laughs> Oh, 
but uh so she starts fucking a morton joe (laughs) (laughs) and he's he's really he's a good client and that's the thing like he's a great client great client a lot of her clients are great clients because like again this show is like part of its project is like this is not this is like a really common thing. Like this is a thing many people do. And the men who are hiring these women like know what it is. Right. Exactly. You know? And that's what I love seeing the process of like how the night goes. Yeah. And seeing that like it's all very like discreet, you know, like I love that first scene where she does go back with Martin. Yeah. And you know, he puts the envelope on the table. Where he's like, he can I make you a drink? Room. Yes. And then she comes in and she takes the envelope, puts it away. He comes counts back her in. money. We're good. Yeah. And I love that. And then there was like one. And then, of course, you know, there's like the scene later with that guy who's like on so much fucking coke and is like, let me just go to my like weird safe and just like throw more money at you. Yeah. (laughs) But other than that, like there is such like um, like a ritual to it. Yeah. Like all these men understand like how this is supposed to go. Yeah. And there's a respect to it. There's there's a respect to it. A dignity to it. Yes. Yes. In doing that, you're saying like. I respect like what you're doing. Like, I'm not going to like throw a bunch of like wadded up cash at you. Like I'm going to discreetly put it in an envelope. I'll give you a moment to make sure the proper amount is there. And then we do this. Like there is a respect to it. Right. Well, and it's like insurance. It's like insurance. Like you're paying for a sure thing. Like you're paying for, you know, that she gets regular medical checkups. You know that she, going to be there from this time to this time yes you know that you're going to like have dinner like yeah. it's literally like their lives are their businessmen their lives are already so like planned out right. and they they don't really have the time to like think of like ifs ands or buts so totally. they're like let me literally plan this sexual encounter by paying somebody who i know and trust and she's like right. in turn i will trust you right. that you have like checked all these boxes for yes me. and yeah. they they show a lot of times that most of her clients uh when they call her for the first time you know there's a clear and I, I, all this oh, came yeah. from like the, amy simons talks about it in the post-show stuff like they had many consultants who who are high-end escorts like making sure the show is authentic mm. um and they would say you know like the so a lot of those practices are from those women um, where, you know, you have to, you'll only get my number, at least at the beginning before she makes a, an account on the, those websites, but like you're referred to by another client, like how did you get this number? And, you know, like most of her clients offer references to her. Like, I can give you their numbers if you want to call them before we meet. Even the Coke guy in Toronto, he's like, Uh, you know, she's like, do you want references? They're going to be here. Yeah. But she calls those girls up and it's like, okay, am I going to be safe? Yep. Um, Another great argument for legalization and decriminalization, because if you have the infrastructure in place for, you know, people to be able to communicate with one another, like, great, this client's safe. He's awesome. Or like, no, he, you know, crossed lines and was violent. Like everyone is safer. Everyone is better for it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The seedier, the seat, you know, the more hidden away and like all of that, like the seedier it gets and you have to go through all of the back channels. Like it's like if, if taxi companies and like Ubers 
didn't exist and you just had to rely on like hitchhiking like that's yeah. the yeah, that's exactly and i feel like that danger is constantly like hovering at the periphery like i felt that fear like when she broke up with jacqueline I yeah. felt that fear starting to like creep in of like, what now? Like now she's yeah. going to have to what? Like she's not going to have the infrastructure there to like check these clients out, um, get the references, like do the screening and all this yeah. stuff. I mean, she ends up making it work. Like she gets, you know, right. people who call her our referrals and so on. But yeah, but it's it always becomes, hovering. The onus of that get, is on the client, you know, right. whereas like Jacqueline and we meet Jacqueline in the second episode, right? I think. Mm. I think so. Yeah. So Jacqueline is essentially a madam uh, who runs the escort service that Avery works for. And Avery's like, okay, like if you want to meet her, but, the, but like, she's more of a, she's very much like a manager, you know, like, mm -hmm. so when, when Christine goes to meet with her and she's like, I already have a client, Jacqueline's like, then he's right, yours. Like, I don't take a cut from him because you didn't get him through me. Um, but it's like, it's like a general meeting with a, with an agent who mm -hmm. is like, I do all of the vetting for you and I do all of the negotiation for you. So all you have to do is like show up. So there's, there's a certain guarantee if you work with me that, uh, that I'm going to guarantee you to the extent that I'm able a safe experience. And you won't have to have any like awkward conversations like she later ends up having to have with her one client who can't afford her and is like, can you lower yeah. your rates for me? And she's right. like, clearly like just so fucking uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Um, but Christine being the very, very fiercely independent person she is, uh, very quickly is skeptical of the value of a person like Jacqueline, uh, you know, for better or worse, she's like, I don't want to have to, I want to make, I want to keep all the money I make. Yeah. Give up 30%. What? Right. That's a lot. Um, that could is a lot. Imagine, could you imagine an agent taking 30% of what you earn? Yeah. That's like, well, what is it like? Your your agent usually gets 10%, ten percent. Ten usually. It's like your manager gets like twenty. So that's like. So if she makes two, she makes on average like two thousand because she right. like has like that two hour minimum. Unless that's of like course six she's two hour minimum, she has like six hundred dollars. Yeah. So she's taking home fourteen hundred of that. There's a big difference between fourteen hundred and two thousand. Yeah. 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 And that's then like, there's the I whole mean, fact of like, like depending on your apartment, that's like a month of rent that you're just giving over to somebody. Yep. Right. And then there's that kind of stressful arrangement where Jacqueline puts down a deposit for oh. this apartment. I was like, and don't so do now, it. Like, girl, don't do it. Like now don't she is it. beholden to Jacqueline on this whole other level. And um, Avery is like side eye. Mm -hmm. Right. She's like, oh, are you doing in calls? Like, is that why she gave you the money? Like it becomes very clear very quickly that Jacqueline is favoring Christine. Right. sees a lot of potential in Christine, is willing to invest in Christine in a way that she ostensibly never did with Avery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's, you see, like, had Jacqueline been a little bit more on the up and up? Because I do feel like she, anyone who offers to do that kind of thing, like, they're not just making an investment for their, like, business futures together. They're like, 
you're trying to get your hooks in. Like there's a oh, reason- Oh yeah, she's, she wants to own her. Exactly. There's a reason she had access to Avery's. Like something happened and she was like, hey, give me access to your bank codes yeah. and we can work this out. I can help you, blah, blah, blah. Like there's a lot of like subtextual shit going on where like- It's Jack very was- much the like hot, like it has all the trappings of like, this is legit. This is high yeah. end. I'm a nice white lady, Jacqueline. But and the she way she me. operates is like a fucking 42nd Street pimp. It's skeezy. <laughs> yeah. She wants to make the them 70s. like intertwined with her enmeshed, dependent. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like Christine, like the best thing she does is, I mean, she doesn't really choose the way things go down with Jacqueline. Like it kind of happens for her with the Avery blow yeah. up. But I feel like it's like the best right. thing that happened for her. Well, I do want to close the thread on, on Avery, but something you're saying about how Christine feels about Jacqueline is something that like is going to come up again and again. And Carl and I like texted about this a little bit. Oh yeah. She has incredible instincts about people. She does. <laughs> I I literally in the scene where um the fucking private eye is like acting like such a narc and try and she has the gut she like the knows. I was like gift of fear trust in your intuition yeah like she knows like she yes. she has the intuition but she also is smart enough to listen to it because a yes. lot of people have the intuition feeling and they're like oh, I don't know I'm gonna doubt myself this bitch yeah. does not doubt herself once in her life no she and you see that time and again like, and it, it comes up in so many episodes where, like, in a second, she knows if the vibes are off. Yep. Yep. And, like, those antennae are just swinging. From the f- <laughs> moment she tuned. fucking sat down across from Jacqueline, she had that bitch's number. Yeah. And, she, and she's like, just in like, in that meeting, she's like, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, oh, like, why do you have to pay me? And she, yeah. like, like they, there was like, why would I go with you and not just do this myself? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And like, once again, for her. Sorry, say it again, girl. No, like once again, like good, like good for her, like trust your instincts. A sociopath would not pick up on those things. They would just use whoever's around them and then move on. You know what I mean? I don't think like a sociopath would be like self-protect, self-protect like, no but i don't think, i do think I, I don't think it's so good at really reckless but like but that's the kind of thing where like the socio like what's like the sociopath question you know mm-hmm. like the test to see if you're a sociopath is where like asking if you're a sociopath is um oh god i should look it up but it's like you you meet someone. You meet someone at your father's funeral. At your father's funeral, but you don't get any of their information, so you kill your mother. I think that's for a psychopath, though, or maybe it is for a sociopath. I've heard as an example for sociopath um, the situation where you have a dog, you love your dog, you take care of your dog, you you um, you're going away for like a three day weekend trip. On the way to the airport you realize you're running late. You're like just barely going to make your flight. And on the way you realize that you forgot to leave out food for your dog for the three days. Do you go back and miss your flight and miss the important client meeting that you had to feed your dog? Or do you just keep going to the airport knowing that your dog like won't die? It'll live. It'll be like suffering for three days. It'll be really, really fucking hungry. 
but what do you do in that in that situation and a sociopath would go to the airport would be like no one's ever going to find out about this get on the plane (laughs) but that's because you don't like pets that, that is because I, that is because if you're not a horse, I don't give a shit about you. Oh, Carl, I agree. <laughs> if my horse were, stop it, really? Yeah, I'm not, I don't fuck with pets, but I, I feel like people think you're a sociopath if you say that. And I'm like, I don't want to torture um, them. I just don't no. want to pick up shit in my adult human life. No, I literally, else. I literally wipe my own ass. Like, I don't need to pick up your. I don't even wipe my own ass. I have a bidet to do that. Oh my God, bidet, but don't you do. <laughs> like, as if I'm going to wipe someone else's ass. Literally. And it's not even uh, like a baby. It's like an animal that just lives in my house rent-free. No, I can't. Like, literally, no. I don't you get know it. What I, would, I, would, I would put in so much time and money to owning like two beautiful horses. If I could own, <laughs> if I could own a horse. A I pair of beautiful stallions. Just like a mare and a stud and just like make them kiss. What's that word? Is pro- profligate? Is that a word? Husbandry? When you yeah, when you like hu- when they when they You make ah. them fuck. I I believe Why it's are you trying a, to find a fancy word for a horse? I believe it's called a cover. It's called your You want to be a pimp. A cover. Um yeah, if I could have like two horses that just like bred a bunch of other horses. Like just for me, not to like sell, just like a like a family of horses. That's what I would want. Literally. I'm with you. I would love that. I love like, yeah, like God, but no. I would I, I would think that my cat's puke this morning and I would kill for him. So oh. genuinely cannot. Opus relate. is lucky. Opus is lucky. He's got a good mom. Opus is lucky. We we dog sit on occasion. We dog sit that beautiful um, long haired dachshund, that beautiful hot dog, and and Steve really wants one. And I've always made it very clear that like if he wants one, like we can get one, but I will not be taking care of it. No, like you can get one if you want one. I will not be walking it. It's like Woody um, Allen with Mia Farrow's kids. Kate, I made that. I made that that comparison the other day to someone. I was like, I I literally was like the only example that I can think of is a terrible one so i probably shouldn't say it and it was like at a freelance gig it was like people i didn't even know that well and they were like no no who and i was like like woody allen with mia farrow where like she wants a baby and he's like i don't like you can get one we can have one together but like i won't take care i of will it. not raise that child. um yeah when are we gonna start doing docu-series on this uh on this poor cast <laughs> God. What is your like? Cri- what what is your criteria? Because this is like thirteen episodes. So if you're going loosey goosey, do the docu series, do the Woody Allen. Yeah, no, I think we're we're gonna put uh, we're gonna yeah. put a docu series in the next season. Yes, we are. How could I forget? Yeah. Oh shit! I'll do the um the effects for that, and it'll just be me like. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally periodically. About, I was about to do an impression, and you did that, so I can't. That was it. I killed them all. <laughs> killed them all, of course. Oh. Just constantly like. Oh. you do? <laughs> I don't know. I wanted a sandwich, so I went to Wegmans and took one. Oh, 
That was Wegmans, wasn't it? That's a fucking sociopath. Yeah. You want to steal from Danny Wegman. <laughs> How dare you? He provides most, health insurance for his cashiers. The most fabulous cokehead in the entire world. Really? God bless him. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love wondering. that for him. God bless him. Oh. But yeah, so Avery, we're all, we're still at Avery episodes. Christ. But we'll get, yeah, we'll get through this. Um, <laughs> Avery, for some reason, becomes houseless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she started to take, well, she started taking some people on the side, right? I'm not that's right. That's right. Her. She started What's getting her space? own clients outside of Jacqueline. I What's think she was space? always houseless though, even before that. Well, yeah. Cause she down. was living at, um, she was living at her she clients. She made a mistake. Out. Yeah. She like she cut her off. Had to have that safety net. And instead she like moved into that dude's house and was just living there. And, and then, then she like moved into Christine's house and like fucked her so she could stay. Yeah. So let's. I want to talk about that sex scene, actually. Let's talk about that sex scene. Part of it, I, I will was... say this. Sorry. Go, Carl. No, I was go just going to say, I was confused because I was like, is this just like a sort of like, oh, yeah, like Christine is very like seduced by this, like her energy and like, like I would be like if we were hanging out and she was like one of my gal friends and I'm like, gay me, I would still be like, there's a chance we'll make out on some random night. Yeah. Like, you know, I've had those gal pals who like, it happens and it's usually in front of a guy, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I've been that gal pal. I've made out with a lot of gay friends. (laughs) Nothing more, but like, it happens. Yeah. So yeah, Avery and Christine, Avery like, is clearly like spiraling. Yeah. Has quit law school, is on the outs with Jacqueline, uh, crawls into bed with Christine and is like, kiss me. And Christine's immediately like, sure. after, I feel like important asterisk, crawls into bed with Christine immediately after she's fucking some dude mm-hmm. in Christine's apartment and Christine hears it. Yes. And we don't even know for sure if that was like a home call, like if that was business or if it was just like- Just a guy, we don't know. She needed some rando to like come go to town on her. Yeah. It's interesting because Avery, to me, so like the character, one of the lead characters in the second season, the sex worker, Anna, um, who, who gets hired by gets hired by this like Republican fundraiser, Erica, uh, in order to get access to this certain like dark money donor. Um, But Erica ends up hiring Anna like for herself. And then that quickly turns into Anna like not asking for money. And it's like, no, I just actually like want to be in a relationship with you. Um, To me, Anna is very much like where Lodge Kinnerman would have tried to go with the Avery character. Hmm. Interesting. Um, to me, there's like this, there's like a very clear like, okay, so this is like you called her Anna, but you could have you could have just had this be the same exact character, and we would have believed that this is just like where Avery is now. Return of Avery. Um, 
but yeah, no, she, but I think that's one of the things you learn about Avery. Like part of the things that part of the difference you see between Avery and Christine is in that sex scene where Avery is seeking something genuine from Christine in that, in that sex. Like she, she wants it to happen. I think it's manipulative on a certain level, but like Christine is clearly just sort of like, okay, I guess this is happening now. You know, she's so detached from it the way she is in every sex scene. Mm-hmm. You know, she's never, she's never present. Do you think um, part of her might be taking notes? Like to see what Avery does and to like see if maybe she can glean any like information, like any kind of like that sort of thing. I feel like if Christine was anyone else, I would buy that. But I feel like Christine is so fucking like. She's so confident. She's so confident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, I fuck good. There's nothing to learn. <laughs> right. Like if anything, the notes you. she's, if anything, the notes she's taking or the skill she's acquiring from that is like, okay, like. I now can say with certainty that I'm available to women too. Yeah. Because I know I will right. like fuck women well also. Yeah. Yeah. Chances are someone will ask me to do this. So why don't I do it with a friend first? Right. And it's like, I appreciate how like, even in this scene, like there's no entertaining a question of anybody's queerness. It's like, this is as transactional and unemotional as anything else is. They're trying as to anything. get something from each other. Yeah. You know, there's nothing to read into this at all, you know? Yeah. That makes so much sense. Um, And then shortly after that, and like I think Avery's miscalculation is that she's used to using sex as a way to gain control of people. And she deeply underestimates Christine and thinking she can gain control of her this way. But like, but also maybe not because she does rob that bitch blind. She does, but she didn't get anything like, yeah, she didn't. That was just Christine being careless and like living learning. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she didn't get that like emotional control or like hooks in at all. Yeah. And I think Avery knew that, which is why she was like, let me take the money and run because there's no, you know, if she had sensed that she was gaining some kind of like emotional control over Christine as a result of them sleeping together. I think she would have stayed and been like, cool, I'm going to live here now. Totally. Mm-hmm. totally. But I think she knew, well, like, this is not, I have to yeah. be on to the next And time. maybe maybe it wasn't even a play for control. Maybe it was, she knows she's going to rob Christine the next day. She's mm. like, this is, I've always like kind of wanted to fuck this girl. And yeah. maybe this is a connection I've always craved. So I'm going to do this now and get my thrills while I can. And then rob her and get the fuck out. Well, it's not like you see like a bunch of, you know, a bunch of scenes where she's like trying to get a hold of Avery afterwards. And she's like, bitch, you took my money. She literally goes to Jacqueline and she's like, you caused this. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would love to talk about that. I thought that was really, really interesting. I lost this amount of money. Like you fucked me, not her. Yeah, yeah. You fucked her and she fucked me, but like you fucked us both. Yeah, Julia, what do, you, what do you have to say about that? Well, just that like it's oh, a I'm great sorry. example of, of being no, no. mad at the right person. Yes. Because we see later on an example of being mad at the wrong person when, is it Martin's wife who pays off Christine to leave her husband alone? Ryan. 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 And as with those scenes always, I'm like, why the fuck are you mad at this girl? Like, why are you mad at this sex worker? Like, first of all, like, 
you should be even less mad at her because it's not even an affair. She's literally just like a a service provider. It's her job. But like, why aren't you mad at your man? And that's such a great example of like Christine, just like always being a step ahead, like being mad at the right person. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be mad at Avery. I'm going to be mad at Jacqueline because she's the one who did this and caused this to happen. Just like another example of like how fucking smart and capable Christine is. Yeah. Like just a really good protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, and I love how like, you know, alongside this where we're, we're seeing her having so much control in, or, you know, she gains that control. Like she's somebody who like, I don't need to learn this lesson twice. You know, she ditches Mm -hmm. Jacqueline, goes out on her own. She's like, I'm smarter than all these other people. I know how to keep myself safe, you know, or, and, you know, she gets, that gets challenged in different ways, but like, she knows she doesn't, she doesn't need Christine because she doesn't want to uh, be controlled by anybody else. But uh, that juxtaposed with her progress as an intern at this law firm, where on day one, you know, she's given, so she becomes the assistant or the intern of uh, David Tellis, who is a managing partner at this downtown Chicago law firm, uh, and mostly doing like patent law, copyright law, that kind of thing. Um, and one of her first assignments is to just deal with some cease and desist letters, and she edits one of them, and she she adds language to it that she thinks will make it better. Uh, and is scolded for that and is told, no, no, no. We don't want you to editorialize this at all. We don't, you know, it's a cut and paste job. It's what he says to her, you know, so. And it's like the very first one. It's like the, the first, first one. So here she is naively at this thing of like, oh, I, I have ambition. She is just a purely, whether she's a sociopath or not, she is a purely ambitious person. Yeah, she's a capitalist. Uh Hard in in all of these worlds and so you know where she is brought to heel so many times in as a law intern you know she doesn't experience that as as a sex worker but but it's interesting how how she's she tries to gain control and some autonomy to kind of prove herself in that world and they're just like we don't want that that's not why we hired you we hired you to be another fucking drone and it's very interesting that like, that's the respectable job, you know, that's the, that's the proper job. Being a cog in a machine. Where she is a cog in a machine and she is not treated as a person versus the dis, you know, undignified job where she's in complete control and has total agency. And her clients and respect her. And her clients respect her. Everyone's and, always telling her why her her value comes in her like her knowledge. They're like, oh, I'm so Jacqueline telling her like, I'm so glad you know about all of the, this law stuff that'll yeah. really work for like our clients. Like your personality, your uh, uh, Avery says like, you're funny, you're smart, you're beautiful. Yeah. Like her actual yeah. value comes from the things that she actually has. Yeah, she clearly feels more empowered in that job than she does as an unpaid intern at this law firm. 
literally you know and that's the fucking gag of all of this is like she's not even like as far as i know she's not even fucking getting paid i don't know and none of them are like guaranteed a job right two of you two out of ten of you will get a job here but in the meantime we'll work you like fucking dogs Mm -hmm. so of course the second she figures out how to manipulate that system and gain power in that system she fucking takes it like of course she fucks her boss at some point right you know and of course she films it right always 10 steps ahead this girl yep well it's also like i think you know she's clearly like very very smart very high achieving when you're a smart high achieving woman people tell you your whole life like you should be a lawyer for some reason it's just the thing that people tell you i'm sure people told you that at points kate i feel like i heard that a zillion times like oh you should be a lawyer yeah and then it turns out like she's kind of like too smart to be a lawyer or or the wrong kind of smart right like everyone told me my whole life i should do this thing because it would be like the the top of the mountain that's what i would achieve but actually that's just like squandering all of my gifts and talents and i'm going to be a fucking escort instead yeah well that was one of my questions was like is there any passion like did she have like a passion for law or was it literally just like people told me i should do this it always felt very like perfunctory to me like people told me i should do this and i'm gonna do it the best right it doesn't matter what it is but like this is the thing that everyone told me to do so i'm gonna do it the best i have my flashcards with each firm and she uses that great like that line about um they just want to hear their own words repeated back to them like and she uses that in both settings yeah 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 which is every job yeah Mm -hmm. you your boss just wants you to tell them how great they are. Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. And your clients, like no matter what world right. you're working, like, you know what I mean? Right. They just want to, they just want to see them. People just want to see themselves in you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and also like, again, kind of going back to the, like her gut being incredible episode three so Avery robs her and we never hear from her again and she ditches Jacqueline but this is also uh when she gets Kevin as a client she gets Kevin Kevin Michael and Ryan are her clients at this point and Martin Mm -hmm. um but like Michael who was the older much older man uh, I love Michael too really kind to her um and Ryan, who is like a he bit younger and is like kind of hot. And he's like, you know, the two of them, like they understand who she is to them, you know? Yeah. Uh, Wait, well, who's Ryan Kevin? Does- Kevin is the hotel owner who asks her to lower her rate, ultimately. Oh. But like on their first date, on their first date, she sits down and he's already like, uh, calculating in his head how many, how often he can see her and all these things. He's like, you're so beautiful. Like he's too into it too quickly. And she knows that that is a red flag. And he's like, I would literally move here for you. Oh my God. Right. And she's like, goes, ha, 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 ha. Uh, this is our first date. <laughs> also, I like love her solution of being like, <laughs> I love her solution of being like, um, well, we could see each other less. And he's like, no, how about you lower your rates? I literally was like, oh, 
oh, I mean, Kate, like I've spoken to you about this. It drives me crazy when people are asking for like quotes on like flowers for an event and you're like, cool, well, this is how much a centerpiece costs and you want 20. So this is the total. And they're like, oh, it's too much money. And it's always like, okay, well you could do less centerpieces. And they're like, oh, or you could make them cheaper. And it's like, no, 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 no. The service or the product costs what it costs. I'm giving yep. you an alternative yep. to get less of them. Don't, don't tell me I'm worth less than what I'm worth. Yeah. Don't make me work for free. Well, and she has, when that happens, when he's like, you know, cause there's, I think there was like two dates they have where she knows like, okay, this dude is like too, too deep. Yeah. And this is not going to be good for me. And this is not going to be safe for me. Uh, and when they're having that conversation and he's like, can you lower your rate? There's this incredible, and I mean, this is how Riley Keough just pitches this whole performance so perfectly that she is such a complete and total cipher, like 90% of the time. But in that moment, you just see, you've gotten so attuned to her micro expressions that you just see this like flash of pure rage. Yeah across her face yeah her jaw goes like incredibly tight for a second and she's like like her eyes go wide (laughs) you're putting me in a very very uncomfortable position i know if she had pushed him off that stool at that moment i would not have been surprised yeah yeah like what a great that was like a that was a fucking great moment yeah i'm so glad you brought that up um and it's just, I mean, that's the kind of, that's what her performance is the whole time. And it's, it's what is so brilliant that it's like, it's, it's so under the radar. And then there's these bursts and, uh, you know, like I, like in that, in that episode with Jacqueline, where she's like flipping out at Jacqueline and throws wine at her. And then she's like, like, the, like the, pool scene. the pool scene uh-huh. when I'm like, oh we my gotta God. like, so I know, I'm sorry. Wait, can we talk about David Tellis first before the pool scene? Yeah, so let's talk about David Tellis. Never has a man taken so many L's. <laughs> the whole second half of the series, L's, 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 so raining L's. L's upon this man. The thing is like also- Wait, what does that mean? Taking an L is like taking a loss. Yeah. Oh. As opposed okay. to like a W, which is a win. Oh shit, okay, I like that. I've yeah, never heard yeah. that before. Yeah. It's like, you know, street lingo. Thank <laughs> you so much. I'm just, you know, my provincial sensibilities up here in Rochester. I just never get exposed to these. Yeah. these I know. Things. It's like a Brooklyn thing. <laughs> um, don't worry about it. Like it's a Manhattan. Like. Yeah. It's very much like the city. Um, so this man takes L's like unbelievable. Like you love to see it truly. Well, and he starts yeah. off with an L in that he's like sleeping in his pied because his wife has kicked him out of the house. I got this for late nights at the office. Baby. We're having problems. And she just literally like, walks up to him and kisses him because she's like this is a fucking done deal and i've known for hours and you only realized it like this second (gasps) she's like i knew from my interview oh yeah mark 
mark on your forehead. Like you are every fucking, there's nothing to figure out about you. You are every fucking 50 year old dude, partner at a law firm, house in the suburbs. 50, that's a little ungenerous. (laughs) He's he's probably like in his 40s. This is actually the only thing. He's been in a bunch of stuff and this is the only thing I think he's hot in. Wait, I think he's kind of hot in Waco. Oh, I haven't seen Waco. He plays like um, David he... Koresh's like right-hand man who's like, oh. yeah, sure, I guess you can sleep with my wife. <laughs> like, cuck vibes. Oh, getting, cucked. getting cucked. Yeah. Yeah. Very okay, clean. Paul Sparks is 49. He's 49, so he was like 45 when this so, came out. So, you know oh, what? Okay. But he was forty. We no, he right. was forty-five when this came out, so mid forties. He needs to do better Mayakopa. skincare. There are some um, times where it looks like he doesn't have teeth. <laughs> there are that. times, yes, when it looks like he doesn't have teeth. He looks like a, like there's like a baby or like a kid that I've seen that he looks like. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, yeah. He, there's he's nothing to figure out about him. He is an archetype, and he's such a fucking mark. And he thinks he's complex, and he thinks that he's pulling the strings on this situation with his yeah. fucking intern. Like Which men. is how I like, and I just, I love how that relationship is formed because it's like, you know, this is 2016. This is pre Weinstein. This is pre me too. Uh, so this is introducing a really messy dynamic before we really decided to have a language about it, which is really interesting. Like, I mean, all that always existed, but but it was a little, it did kind of presage that a little bit, but like, uh, you know, by now we understand that there's no scenario where Christine doesn't have total control uh, when it comes with her and a man. Right. Uh, but what, but the important part of it is exactly what we're saying. He absolutely believes he does have control. She allows him to go through the scenarios like, he invites her for that drink, absolutely knowing he's going to fuck her. Yeah. Like, there's no real, there, like there's ambiguity between them as people in terms of, you know, how they come to understand each other and that he is the only man that she is sleep. She actively seeks out to sleep with at a certain point who is not a client. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it's, it's not disingenuous when she when she makes the claim that he he actively hit on me and 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 sought to sleep with me like he absolutely did you know when yep, he okay. says like let's go get a beer like of, of course you think that night's gonna, gonna end in his apartment and she yeah. knows that you know yeah. and her knowing that doesn't make his actions uh suddenly appropriate yeah you know but yeah, once they're in that apartment and he's like, do you want a beer? She's like, sure. And they sure. take literally one sip sure. and she's like, yeah. okay. You know, waiting Talk for him to, to make a move. She's like, okay, I guess I'll kiss you because like we both fucking know what this is going to be right now. Yeah. 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 And then is that the time she sleeps over that night, right? Or is that the next time they sleep together? I think it is the first. If you're yeah, asking right? about when she films them, it's not that first time. It, no. But no, no, no. Sleep- I know she doesn't film them. What's the time where, where she's like getting ready to leave and he's like, you can sleep here. And she's like, fine, only because I'm really tired. I think that's it's that the first time. time. That's, that's the first, first time. time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, and this, yeah, that episode where she first sleeps with David is also when we meet the sister who is also a lawyer. Um, so there is this sort of, you know, this tether to her. She has a life outside of the boundaries of that story. And it's like, and then also, I mean, it comes back again in the episode where she goes, goes home at the end, but it raises the stakes, you know, it, it, it raises the, the level of consequence that could happen of, you know, it's her boss finding out about her sex work. It's her family finding out about it. It's, there's a, there's a lot of risk involved in her, her, you know, whatever tragic flaw, whatever you want to call it, is that like, she's so certain of her control uh, that she takes for granted uh, how she takes for granted the size of the potential consequences. Mm. You know, I think, I think her miscalculation is, you know, how bad it could be, how, yeah. How bad it could be that. And then it does end up being like worst case scenario. Like what's the worst that could happen? Hacks yeah. into your email and sends a fuck tape out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's also, so with David Tellus, you also get, cause in that, I don't know if it's the first time they sleep together, but in one of the times they sleep together, she overhears this conversation between him and rival counsel for one of their clients that is like on very, David is on very thin ice with one of their big, big clients, uh, who's had like six mistrials like six mistrials and this client is like rightly being like i don't know what the fuck we're hiring you for at this point and he's trying to just like hold the line and say like this is any lawyer you're going to go to is going to give you this the same result no matter what they tell you um so he is and he's been taken off the case he's been promoted uh to managing partner so as to get him away from this client. And then um, Aaron, the, his kind of like female counterpart, I just want, I don't remember this actress's name, but she's like a famous actress. Yeah, she's been in a ton of stuff. She was in like Julia and Julia and- Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she usually plays like the goofy friend. And it's f it's yeah. nice to see her in something a little bit more like solid. Yeah, yeah she's very um, severe in this. Yeah, uh, Mary Lynn Mary Lynn Rashkub as Aaron Aaron Roberts, who is at at the start like seems to be kind of on an even playing field with David, and then he gets promoted to get him away from client from XHP, and then Aaron gets put into that position. Largely because she has started fucking this client. Mm -hmm. And they have requested that she take over as the lead on the case. Um, well, and she's, she's like taking the shower, like she's about to like hop in the shower and hears like a key in the door and it's not David and it's the rival councilman right. dropping off like a, like a literal 
full file box and she's like this is not this is the person that the, that david himself told me i should be like on the lookout for that he's like the rival counsel right like well, that's i think he's been he's been in cahoots with that guy from the get-go right kate because you were saying that he's doing it to get to like fuck over Aaron. But I think the whole thing with the six mistrials is that David from the beginning has been colluding with Riley. Right. Oh, I bet you're right. Yeah. And that's why there have been the six mistrials. They keep collecting the money, mm-hmm. but they keep the case going on like in, forever. in perpetuity. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. And Aaron's okay, in cool. on it. And, and Aaron's in on it. And Aaron's in on it. That's the real miscalculation that Christine makes. Oh, God. That- and that's like, that's a horror movie moment of like, get out, get out. Yeah. The three of them in that like dark room together. And you're just like, no, Aaron, I trusted you. Yeah. 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 Um, so like that they all were starts. It, and then Aaron like also fucked them by fucking the client, like to get yes. the client, like. So much but it's fun. all like Aaron did what she had to do to keep this fucking client. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because they were, the whole firm was going to lose the client. Right. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for explaining that to me. Cause I like, don't know that I ever fully understood what that collusion shit was. Mm. Oh my God. Like anything business wise. Like, do you I know. I was like, care? I don't care about any of this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me back to her and her clients. Watch Mad Men to like understand how important Lucky Strike was. <laughs> Right. I was like, who cares? They're a client. It's like, no, that's like their client. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that happens, I'm just like looking at my notes. Another thing I love in this episode with Michael is that they have this like, you know, like they fuck and they're having this like pillow talk about his foot fungus. <laughs> it's so gross, but it's so beautiful at the same time. And she's yeah. like, she's like laughing about it and like they're genuinely just like she's just like chill she's just like because that's like and i think that's one of the things where she's not she doesn't process whether she's like attracted to any of her clients because it doesn't matter to her Mm -hmm. right you know like we as the viewer can be like oh yeah no like ryan's like pretty hot like objectively hot like he seems like a fine dude to fuck and like michael not so much but he's nice so sure but it's like you know, her criteria is like, okay, they're not abusing me. They're not degrading me. And they're like, fun to be around. Well, and like, had that lasted, like, Michael would have been her cash cow. And she yeah. probably could have let all of her other clients go. He was yeah. like she getting ready to be her, her sugar daddy, like her, her solitary one. sugar daddy. Right. Yeah. Because, and one she's one. fucking smart because. Uh, that's what you want. That's like the A game. Like, that's right. like. But she loses, she loses Kevin and then she loses Ryan because of his wife, because of that awkward run-in. So then Michael is her only client at so that point. So she goes right. I said on that Michael's yacht and is like... That's right, that's right. That's I would move. really love, like, I just love spending time with you and I would love to continue spending time with you. With only you. With only, you know... And he's like, well, we should sit down and talk about a way to make that happen. And she's like, that'd be amazing. Right. I would love that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then like seals that deal of like, is there a way for us to be alone? Where she's like, Let, let's like put a little 
real seal on that and fuck me right yeah. now so that that's where your head is at you know yep. so she's she's making that she's like i've lost two important clients you're my only source of income right now i'm doubling down on you and i'm creating an insurance policy with you um and then he can fucking I, dies i know wait can i quickly talk about the kevin moment that i'm obsessed with please 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 please. it's the it's the moment where he's basically like he's playing the sad sack and she's like she literally goes you're gonna sell that hotel you're gonna and she stops like mid-sentence and she's literally like i'm just not gonna bullshit this man anymore and she just walks away (laughs) right she's like this is something i'm why am i wasting time yeah Yeah, because she does not want to do anything that is not accomplishing something. My time is the most important thing in my world. And I'm literally just standing here for free, bucking up this, like, this person who is, like, trying to emotionally manipulate me. And is no longer my client, honey. And she just stops mid-sentence and is like... (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. But I just, I'm, I'm so just good. so fucking obsessed with that moment. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Because it's like, it's a combination of just like, I don't even know what else I know about this man. And also, and it's like our this initial is not something reaction. I'm being paid to do. As people, we want to like, we would do that conversation and be like, oh my gosh, no. Every- it's going to be fine. You're going to find somebody else. It's like, wait a minute. I'm not your fucking friend. Yeah. And I'm not your girlfriend. No. I don't have to give you a breakup pep talk. Yep. You were paying for the girlfriend experience. If you were not paying for that, you don't get the experience. You don't get me bucking you up for no reason. Like, not right. Yes, he does need some support, but he needs some support that he doesn't have to pay for. Mm-hmm. Like, She's severing a business relationship. No, right. this is, yeah, this is business. It's not personal. It's business. Hello, Godfather. Talk, 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 talk to me first. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? That's the Godfather true. experience, the GFE. That's what this <laughs> yeah. is. The GFE. She's yeah. Michael Corleone. She's she's cold. She's calculating, and she does not give a fuck. She doesn't give a fuck. That's the fucking truth. She's like, I didn't choose this life. I fell into this life, but now I'm gonna go all the way. Yeah. Oh you know God. who yeah. my father is? There are yeah. men coming here tonight to kill him. <laughs> so yeah, that's like that's where we are like at the kind of halfway point where like Michael is her main, her main source of income. And he, I think it's in that episode, he dies and she gets a call from his estate lawyer, basically being like, he left you half a million dollars. And then she has to go do that threesome. And she's like, messy. That threesome. Yeah. Well, oh, and I remember, right. I think in the, um, like the post-show thing, like Amy Simons is talking about how, like, you know, we talked to, to our consultants about like, what happens if there's a night where you're just like not into it or you just don't feel up for it? And she's like, and she said like, most of them told us like they do it anyway, because yeah, that's, you know, they're, they're there to do a job. Um, but yeah, but that was the, they wanted to see that kind of shade of this of like, you know, she's still a human, you know, she still is, is processing yeah. a really intense moment. So no, she's not going to be like on for these people. And, and it's like the worst couple too. It's, a, the, it's worst. the worst couple, the guy, she 
again, that sensitive, sensitive gut. She knows the vibes are off with this guy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, she's not going to have a good time with them, but she's like, okay, I'll, I'm going to try and stick it out. Cause I need the fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she can't, she can't do it. Well, and it's not like she's like grieving Michael, like grieving, grieving him, but she's grieving the, the business relationship that they had. And, and she's fact- grieving her primary source of income. She has no her, fucking income now. Her money and the way that he made it so easy for her to make her money. Yeah. Yeah. Like and that's the, the ideal. That yes. You have a, a steady client and it's a good one. It's not like a creep. Amazing. It's not an abusive business yeah. relationship. Like, yeah. Well, it's like, it's the life Avery was living mm-hmm. when at, at the start of all of this, that, that kind of, that's the ideal help convince Christine to kind of do this where, you know, Avery is living in this gorgeous house and uh, only has to fuck him twice a month. You know, she's like, I'm mostly just here on my own. I mostly am a law student who gets to live in this, like probably like, you know, Evanston, Skokie, North shore, (laughs) beautiful mansion. Yeah. Uh, So, Michael was Christine's ticket to that, you know, where she's like, yeah, I'll have my clients and I'll, you know, so that her additional clients are just there for her, for, you know, pocket change. And uh, when she wants the attention, but he is her bankroller. And then in part two of our episode, we get into funhouse mirror version of that where it's like here's all the things you want but it like comes at quite a cost yes yes part two once michael dies and once that cash cow dries up (laughs) uh and and what 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 hovers above that it's not just that michael is dead and so that income's not coming in because 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 Michael knows that, you know, and he, that's why he left in his will. I'm going to leave you half a million dollars to take care of you. But in order for her to get that money, she has to go through not only the legal battle with his children, but what that means fundamentally is you have to expose who you really are. Right. And you have to make yourself vulnerable to the world in exposing your real identity as a sex worker. And there's so much risk uh, that, Which is such, that like, comes bullshit. with that. Like, how right. do you like contest a will? Like that is someone's will. Like it, it, it's not like something you write on like a piece of tissue paper right. and like just hand to somebody. Like mm-hmm. he went to a literal lawyer and was like, this is what I want. Well, like, and she even says when, yeah. when she gets notified that it's being contested. She's like, it's a 40th of his estate. Right. Yeah. It's nothing. It's compared to everything they're getting. This is nothing. But again, this is, I, th- I think maybe not a miscalculation she, she makes, but at least maybe a slight underestimation because she's so entrenched in this world is that she kind of forgets how much stigma there is around it. Exactly. You know, that, Mm-hmm. Michael treated her with dignity and these clients treat her with respect and it's a, it's an honest job and it's an honest living. And so for her, she doesn't think twice about like this kind gesture from this man who really respected her. Right. Uh, that his family sees her as a fucking whore. 
Yeah. And that she probably in some way manipulated him into changing his will. And totally. this is part of a larger conversation. This drives me fucking crazy. This is like the same thing as Anna Nicole Smith about these women who suddenly it pops up and it's news for some reason, hot young woman marries or dates or whatever arrangement she has with rich older man. He dies. He leaves her a significant sum of money. Gold digger. And people have such a fucking problem with this. And it blows my mind because it's like this idea, like it's somehow like infantilizing this older man. Like, oh, he's like an innocent baby who's being taken advantage of. what he was doing. This is a transaction. It is an exchange. Every single relationship is an exchange. This one just happens to involve money. Yes, she's getting money. But what do you think he was getting? Companionship, sex. A, a young, attractive woman who is like dedicated to his needs and will listen to him talk about bullshit all day long. Like, like this is someone a he transaction. can like a hot fucking 20 yeah. something who he can fuck and then talk about his foot fungus with. Yes. Literally. Yes. This is a transaction. Who are we to begrudge people? that man paying $2,000 to Riley Keough to talk to fuck her and talk about his foot fungus? Yes, but we somehow act like the woman in that case is like stealing the man's money. Like, no, she's giving something too. Everyone is getting something in this scenario. And also like, it's so, I mean, we see Michael with her enough times and we understand that like, he's he's absolutely not a threat to her and she's absolutely not trying to manipulate him. She genuinely enjoys his company. He's clearly her favorite client. Completely. Whatever, there's plenty of like- you can do whatever psychoanalysis you want about like the paternalistic version of that, but it's sure. like, well, and it's for so someone funny. who hates being around other people, she likes being around him, and right. that's not an insignificant thing. And him putting her in his will is a gesture to say, I made a promise to this person, and this person has a certain expectation that I am going to financially take care of her, and. I want to make sure that I do that even in death. Right. That's like, I left early. Here's the rest of your dinner. Like, yes, yes. $500,000. That's, that's probably only like 50 dates with her. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so you get one date a week. That's like, that's like only over a year. Right. It's not like the amount of money he's giving her give like, considering he her lived, rate he he's her very million dollars if yeah. he had lived another two years she would have easily cleared a million yeah um and the funny thing too about the different men like ryan is really the only one who's like henry higginsing her who's yeah. like oh you should really practice your like lines like you should really yeah. like learn how to lie to me because it'll really you know what i mean it's so funny he's so like, cool because he's so meta about it he's like oh i'm i'm not pretending like in the way that these other saps are like right. no everyone uh, everyone knows what this is like you're just and it's yes. like well and that bubble gets burst for him when his questions. right but yeah his bubble gets burst when he runs anyway. into his coworker or whoever at the, at that oh. restaurant. And he's he such a caught. fucking dum-dum in that scene because like you you could have easily handled this by just getting ahead of, anytime you don't introduce the person sitting with you, you're making it like yeah. a million times more sus. Immediately what I thought of, wait, have you both watched Sex in the City? Yeah. The, a little the episode, bit. With the episode where Big takes Carrie to that Szechuan restaurant 
and she runs into a guy that she knows and he's with a girl and he doesn't introduce the girl to Carrie and she's like, what the fuck? And then she runs into the guy later and it's like a whole thing and it's a whole episode about like why you wouldn't introduce that because you don't want the people to know you're fucking them for whatever reason. Right. Yeah. Just right. be like, hey, this is my colleague, Jessica. Right. This right. is my intern. Yeah. Who gives right. a fuck? It's, right. Like if somebody were to come up to David Tellis having a drink with her at that bar, he would just say, oh, this is my intern, Christine. We're talking yeah. about her career. Yeah. That's all you have to say this about is, her. Yeah. This is Bernice. She's buying me a glass of wine, you know, because she hit my car. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, Potential right. client. Literally anything. Make up a name. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny just, because, yeah, he was the one who was always like, you need to practice your lines. Like, sir. Yeah. You need to practice yours. Thank it seems. Thank you. He was Henry Higginsing, and then Mama comes in and she's like, "Oh, well, why are you still like a man child?" And Henry Higgins is all like, "I don't know. I've grown accustomed to her face." Like yeah. <laughs> when you. Do I also hiring, actually, I love uh, the the choice in. Learn to lie. I love the choice to uh, in that scene where Ryan's wife and Christine meet up for her to pay her off to mm. never see him again. We never see her face. She's so just like, it's But then her silhouette. hand with the drink. Yeah. Her hand with the drink. Oh, one, that's one of my favorite moments, like top three moments from the show for me. Yeah. Because it's like one of the only, only times when you see, and it's not her face. Yeah. But it's her body because your body like tells the truth. Yeah. Like your body, like, and it's one of the only times that we see her like truly shook to her core about the personal implications of what she does and about a person like looking her in the face and being like, you're trash, yeah. you're garbage. Yeah. yeah. You'll mm. never be the wife. Mm. Yeah. Right. I also do love the moment though, where the woman's like, where the woman's like, uh, so who should I make this check out to? And you're like, what is she going to say? Like, she's going to be like, fuck you. I'm going to keep saying it. She just goes... I don't accept checks. <laughs> well, no, that whole phone conversation where she's like silent and she's like, I'm going to let this, this person just get it all out. out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to let you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause again, you're not paying me for my time. So what do you want to do about this? Right. Yeah. And there's a level master, to which master negotiator. Mm-hmm. Right. And even if this is the first encounter she's had with this, she's smart enough to know like, yeah, someone's wife was going to call me at some point. Yeah. And and yeah, honestly, like I was, yeah, part of me was surprised that she went for like, what was the amount she ended up taking? 20,000? I can't remember. Something like that. Sure. That's like 10 dinners. More, though. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, she ended up taking this like relatively small sum, like that's 10 dates. Like yeah. that's not really that much um, or less because that's like two hours, which is like dinner. Um, right. And we but know Ryan I think she's them. smart enough, again, the antenna come up and she's smart enough to know like weighing in her mind, like this could become a much bigger problem for my life. So let me just take the 20 G's and run. Yeah. It, this he's, is, he's this a liability is a now. Completely. Yeah, a liability no, now. there's a lot of- He's a fucking liability now. Yeah. She does really quick risk assessment. Yeah, totally, totally. A few totally. times. And I think we even see her do that with Kevin. Like there's, there's a few- Oh, yeah. Like, even in that situation, like, the first, like, when he asks her to lower her rate, you know, she makes that evaluation in the moment of, like, I'll get back to you about this. You know, she she says, maybe we can see each other less. 
And then he says, can you lower your rate? Maybe and she's like, think about something. Um, maybe we yeah, can think about like, something. Let me think about it and email you. Like knowing damn well she will never ever fuck this man again. <laughs> right. Fuck you. <laughs> but but there are those moments where she <laughs> she recognizes the the truth. Where it's like no matter, and that's like that's a whole part of this. Where it's like whatever you know, we are we're witnessing sex workers who are in like arguably probably like the most protected version of that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the truth remains that there are moments where I am a woman and I am alone with a volatile man. Yeah. And if I say the wrong thing, I don't care if I stake my worth at 2000 bucks an hour this dude can still fucking kill me in a second. Yeah. And do you think anyone's going to care once they right. learn like pro- hooker killed in hotel room? Doesn't matter what my rate is. Yeah. I'm still going to be a fucking dead sex worker. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I think what's so thrilling about this show is that you're genuinely seeing someone who is so good at their job. Yeah. You know, kind of like in, in tandem, she's learning that she's like not really good at, being a lawyer, quote unquote, in the context that they're like, no, you just need to copy and paste. Right. But she's exceptionally good at being an escort. Like she's so fucking good yes. at her job. And it's really thrilling to see that as a viewer. You're like, damn, yeah. I'm just watching a woman fucking excel in her field. <laughs> yes. Yes. With all of the skills at her disposal. Yep. And doing the most. Yep. Well, and I hate to always bring it back to this, but like you see that with weeds, like how much of this is you being a danger junkie? How much of this is you being really, really good at your job? And like, it's, it's almost like every season someone is like, you're just fucking great at making and selling weed. Like, you know what I mean? And yeah, I feel like, I feel like that show does not get proper shrift at all Yeah, for like doing, you know what I mean? Like, something that Breaking Bad, like it comes as like, it's like a given. Oh yeah, of course he makes great math. He's a science teacher. Like, of course. Well, it's also, Don- we're more, we're way more inclined to, I mean, fucking sexism. Sorry, people. That's what I'm saying. Like, people are happy to watch Breaking Bad because it's Brian Cranston masturbating for fucking however many seasons that is versus Barry Louise Barker. Exactly. And like Mary Louise Parker is literally, she's being a boss bitch. She's being great at her job. She's having sex. She's being sex positive. Right. She's not judging the people around her. You right. know, she is an anti-heroine and she yeah, should right. be talked about in the same conversation as, as Walter Tony White. Soprano, Walter yes. White, yes. all of these men, Don Draper, yeah. all of these men who like all these critics are like masturbating over. And it's yeah. like, you always forget yeah. The girlfriend experience. You always forget weeds. Like, yeah. come on, come on. Yeah. Nurse Jackie. Hello. Bye. Orange I is mean, the new black. Orange is the fucking new black. Yeah. But this is absolutely part of that. The girlfriend experience where it's like, cause I think that's the thing where it's like, you know, there's, there is the conversation about whether or not she's a, she's a sociopath but Which is like the same thing with Don Draper. <laughs> right. 
completely. But ultimately, you love watching him excel at his job. He's extremely fucking good right. at his job. Right. right. And that's supposed to be the payoff is like, yeah. well, sure, he can he can cheat on his wife as much as he wants if he stays good at his job. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the second that starts to dip, he like has to go to like an ashram and like reevaluate his life and like yeah. that you know Peggy's like calling him like making sure he's okay and it's like no yeah. Peggy you're good at your job like just do you like yeah. he doesn't matter anymore I think I think one of the things that's really brilliant about this show is that it it raises the question of is Christine a sociopath several times right. but mm-hmm. the show is clearly not at all interested in the answer yeah yeah. Yeah. You they're know, like, we'll sprinkle it in. They're like, sure. yeah, we know that this like, is a thing that we're supposed to address, but we don't give a shit. Like, that's not, that's not the point. You know, she's yeah, going to do go, what she's going to do, go, and that's it. They're like, probably not. <laughs> but Question let's get mark, back to this. But story. like, shrug. But like, yeah. Watch, watch some more of the show. You know, like, Amy Simons is like, I think this girl is just a quintessential millennial. That she just wants to be looked at, and when that's done, she moves on to the next thing. I oh, love that. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that just blew my hair back. Like for, for Amy Simons, it seems like now. her like her viewpoint on Christine is not whether or not she's a sociopath. She's like this girl is a fundamental millennial. Drag See, us. Dragged, if, dragged for my life. If, Chris, if Christine had been a Gen Xer, it would be like that Tina Fey thing where she she leans into the car and she's like, she's like, five thousand for kissing, ten thousand for cuddling. <laughs> end of list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could go down in history as the world's worst prostitute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But like, don't you love that? I love thinking about Christina's like, it's not about a sociopath. Like she is like the most extreme narcissistic millennial creation. Yeah, yeah. And then like with socio, like she ends up meeting like an actual sociopath. So it's like not even relevant whether or not she is. Absolutely. Like I would (laughs) say she meets a a sociopath who acts on it. Yeah. Yeah. Kate, I think we all said the same thing at the exact same time. I heard just like narcissist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Well, well, so let's that's let's maybe part one, because Jack, I feel like, you know, is part two. It's is part two. And I think it's like again, the show is like five shows in one. And it's yeah it's so brilliant in that way, but it's just like episodes one through five, it's like, here she is, she's thriving. And then episode five, the boat starts to rock. She's hemorrhaging clients. Literally the boat. Literally the boat. Uh, Losing clients left and right. Income sources are not fixed. And uh, baby girl's starting to sweat. Uh, So she starts seeing some maybe less than less than recommended clients she says i gotta start trusting my nose oh yeah and that nose is ain't never wrong i do genuinely want to talk about the the michael moment where you think 
he's dead. Like I don't. I. I That's such a fucking Sopranos moment. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's on a boat. But just in like, I just keep thinking of the Sopranos in that episode. It's such a like Sopranos like weeds Mad Men like. Oh my god! If he's dead then blah blah right. blah. I just I feel like there's so many moments in the Sopranos where it's like where like Tony's on the boat with uh, with his gumar. His gumar. Like, <laughs> but like it's literally there's a maybe a version of this where the girlfriend experience is like the Sopranos but from the gumar's perspective. <laughs> you know? Yeah, honestly. Um, but do you Irina was not pulling in that kind of cash. No, she sure wasn't. She sure oh wasn't. Oh my god. Tony. Irina <laughs> Irina could learn a thing or two from Christine. We all need to be a fucking Gloria Trillo. I literally (laughs) want to be like 40 and wearing exclusively like fur coats and like head wraps. Long nails. That is a fucking well-kept woman. Gloria Trillo. (laughs) She's fucking iconic. Yes. Yeah. I know she's iconic. Ugh. But mm. that's an actress who uh, her career got torpedoed by Weinstein. <gasps> no. Because you know what's funny is that when we were watching Girlfriend Experience, when we were introduced to Jacqueline, I was like, you know who should have played this role is Gloria Trillo from The Sopranos. This would be an incredible role for her. Perfect. This was like cut and paste. Perfect. Oh, perfect. I wonder what happened to her career. <gasps> Unsurprisingly. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wait. I did know that. Yes, I did. She's in that list of like the Mira Sorvinos, all those women who yeah. were like. She, there was some award season. There was an award season where she came out and made a speech and yes. presented an award. And she got like a standing ovation because it was like everybody in the room was like, you should have been a fucking movie star. And because you refused to fuck that man, you, you weren't. And I'm sorry, like, all... as far as I'm concerned, though, Annabella Ciora, like, you cannot say those words to me without me, like, getting a little bit emotional. Like, she's that, hand, that hand refused to let Rebecca de Mornay rock that fucking cradle. She was like, <laughs> my baby. Yep. <laughs> she was like, Tony, I'm going to throw a stake at your head and kill myself. Like, <laughs> that talk this is what i'm talking about italian women (laughs) yep one of my favorite scenes in the entire series of the sopranos is the scene where creepy patsy takes her for or she takes him for a test drive in the car and then he just turns and he's like yes you will die if you keep contacting tony but he's not going to be the one to do it like my face will be the last one that you see and it's just one of the best scenes because I love thinking about the lead up to it that they're like, Patsy, you're really creepy. We're going to give you this job. And he's like, yep, great. And I have the same glasses as him. Well, and the fact that she took Carmela on a creepy drive and you're like, mm. bitch, you're getting what's coming to you. But you're also like- And then she calls Carmela and she's like, hi, Mrs. Soprano. I just wanted to let you know we got a new model in. And you're also like, but but don't kill Annabella Ciara. She's been through enough. I know. She, she got wrecked by that Rebecca De Mornay. Yep. <laughs> I yep. saw the hand that rocks the cradle way too young on Lifetime when I was like eight. <laughs> Thank you. I literally, I was like, why why have I known every line to this movie since I was five? Oh like, shit, what? she was on the L word. 
Oh I shit! Look back. I've been like, was, she was played she dining at the Y. <laughs> she played Kate Arden on the L Word, who I believe was like a filmmaker based on Guinevere Turner. But uh, I'd have to go back and check. Which this miniseries? That's how I know what that means. What dinner at the Y? That's how the girlfriend experience taught me what that means. Dinner at the Y? What does that mean? Eating pussy? Cunnilingus. Oh. Wait, what is that said? The most eating pussy? Cunnilingus. Cunnilingus. Jacqueline says it to her. She's like, she's like listing off those things like bareback, anal, dinner at the Y. And I was like, what the fuck does dinner at the Y mean? And I like literally looked it up and it was like, oh my God, I I literally feel like the most Pollyanna bitch right now that I was like, oh, okay. I was like, Kate Royal is the the queen, is literally the princess of pussy and she does not know what this means. I've never, I've never heard that phrase, used that phrase. I think that's probably only a phrase that straight madams would ever use. So true. Right? I, it, I think uh, of a V, not a Y. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, but don't it's know. like the, the legs. I'm obsessed. <laughs> well. Yeah. So part two, we will we will see all of these things converging and hurtling toward the brilliant conver- you know Finale. convergence of all of these things which like doesn't happen in the finale you know they all converge in a few episodes before that and it's about how christine handles it and and deals with it yeah. but it's it's some brilliant television there's a lot of threads that all come together in a pretty incredible explosion so we'll get to those in uh, confluence confluence so that's part two. So we'll see it. We'll see it back here shortly.